All right, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 9, everybody. And, um, and thank you, Lord. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. You know, a part of what God is doing in the earth is, I mean, you know, Scripture periodically refers to God as the invisible God. Like, you can't see Him, right? And um, Moses wasn't allowed to see Him. He could see His hinder parts. He could see His glory. But he couldn't see Him face to face. And um, none of the prophets saw Him. And no one ever saw Him. But you know who did see Him? is Jesus. Jesus saw Him. And then Jesus came to earth to show everyone what the Father looked like because Jesus was the only one that had seen the Father face to face, right? And now, how many know that today the invisible God is looking to make Himself visible in the earth? But He's looking to make Himself visible through His Son in us. Are you all tracking me here? The Christ is looking to um, step out of you into the earth. And God is looking to reveal Himself through us. Amen? And then, how many know in your life, your life has been a progression of finding out who God is? Who you thought God was initially is not who you know Him to be today. Because it's a revelation. Like there's a veil that's being removed, right? And the gospel, how I many you know the gospel removes that veil? But all of us are in a different place of that veil being removed in our lives. Can I get an amen? And then I'll take it a step further. How I many you know that no one in this room sees God clearly the way He is? Right now. No one has a perfect picture of who He is. How I many you know we are going to continue... <clears throat> to gain focus into the Father's face. You ever focus a phone or a picture? How many know that progressively the intention is for that image to get less and less blurry for us to see what He truly looks like? So now, a part of hearing the Word of God and coming to church, a part of that is for the purpose of allowing us to seek more clearly who God is. How many know that all of us can increase the focus? This morning. Like today, you could see the Father's face clearer than what you did before you came in here. That's the intention, right? And a part of the way you see who God is, is you understand the covenant that He's given to you. A covenant will help you to understand God's character. For example, how I many you know if there were no windows in this church and the sun was setting, I could not enjoy the sunset because I couldn't see it. Even though it was happening, I did not have the ability to see it. But a window gives me the ability to see the sunset. How I many you know a dirty window will let me see some of the sunset, a cleaner window, more of the sunset. A cleaner window, more of the sunset. And so, revelation and understanding the covenant will give you an insight into the character of God. 
You know, we live in a world that completely dishonors covenant. If covenant were honored in the land, lawyers would be bankrupt. The presence of rich lawyers is evidence of a lack of understanding of covenant. Ancient societies had a greater understanding of covenant than modern man. Modern man has no concept of covenant, you know, because, I mean, you know, there was a time in Paul's lifetime, there was a time when a man's word and his handshake was enough to, to secure and remove any doubt concerning a deal. Eye contact, handshake, my word, it's done. How I many you know those days have long passed? You're going to need more than eye contact and a handshake. You're going to need a contract, and then the contract's going to need a contract, and then that contract's going to need a contract. You follow me? And the reason being is we may have advanced in technology and civilization, but we, we have uh, regressed in our understanding of covenant. And so we have to understand that God is a God of covenant. And so when he relates, you can't understand the Bible until you understand it's broken up into covenants. Because if you don't understand the concept of covenant, then you're going to look at the Old Testament and you're going to look at the Old Covenant and you're, you're going to erroneously conclude that God was both good and evil. You're going to erroneously conclude um, that you're not going to know who God is. But when you understand covenant, you understand that God is laying out guidelines that He is going to honor to the point of death. And that's how covenant operates. I mean, you know, when a man and woman get married, it's till death do us part. It's a covenant, right? It's not something like, you know, it, it, it's literally, we are entering into this and one of us has to die in order for this thing to end. Covenant is so powerful in the mind of God and even in ancient civilizations that to break a covenant meant that someone had to die. Right? And so... In order for us to see out the window and see the sun, we're going to have to look through the covenant that's been given to us and understand it. Now, I have spent most of my Christian walk fascinated with the new covenant once I began to understand it. I mean, it's prophesied in the book in, in, in Jeremiah. Jeremiah is a rough and sad book. Bro was a weeping prophet, had a tough call. He was called to do something that ultimately was going to fail. But he still had to be a witness to it. But then throughout that book, there's these beautiful promises and, and hope-filled promises. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, uh, he knows the plans that he has towards us to give us a future and a hope. And then Jeremiah 31, the, this, this prophecy concerning this new covenant gets dropped into his lap. And it's, how you know, it's like the greatest news in the world. It's so good that the Jewish mind could not wrap their head around it. How I many you know it took Paul three years of being taught personally by Jesus in order for him to understand this new covenant? How I many you know a good portion of the body of Christ does not understand this new covenant at all? <laughs> a good portion of the body of Christ has a pinky toe in the new covenant and one solid foot in the old. <laughs> and, 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 and we'll just touch down in the new covenant every once in a while, but ultimately we're right here. 
And that will not allow you to understand the faithfulness of God. It will not allow you to see God's face clearly. And ultimately, it's going to fill your heart with doubt and fear, and it will destroy faith. You cannot be confident in God's promises to you if you're not confident in who He is towards you. Amen? And so, I afresh and anew, man, God has been just dropping fresh revelation about the new covenant into my heart this past week and uh, revolutionizing the way that I see it, afresh and anew. And what's happening is the focus is coming in a little bit clearer, and I'm having a fresh encounter with the faithfulness of God 20 years into this thing. You know what I'm saying? And, and to, to the point that it, it, it's done something in my spirit, it's brought a level of confidence in God that I don't think I've ever had. Um, and, it's all, and I'm not really, I haven't arrived here, but it's almost like I've been invited down the bridge to go. And I've taken a couple steps, and I've been studying it and studying it and studying it. And um, to, it's, it's, it's exciting to me where I know it's going to lead because we're living in a time when you're, you're, your Christianity needs a strong confidence. You know, this, this isn't a time, this isn't, you know, the, the days of nodding at, you know, kind of being a Christian and, and those days are over, man. I mean, it, you're, you're, who you believe in is life and death now. The gray areas have disappeared. The lines are drawn. The battle is here. Um, now, we're not, st- we're not entering into a battle that hasn't already been won. So that's the great news. And that's what we know. That's our inside secret. But there's still a battle. And, and God loves to paint the picture of Him being the underdog. Which is an illusion. Because He's never been the underdog. Not one time. <laughs> He's all-powerful. He allows them to have their space in their day. He that sits in the heavens laughs. Yes, he does. Why is he laughing? Because they think they've got us. <laughs> they think they've conquered us. They think they've done it afresh and anew. And um, you know how many times God has brought his people to this precipice? You know how many times they've looked out to the armies that are gathered? Over and over and over again. And now it's your turn. <laughs> This is your generation. And the armies are gathered. They're not armies of literal soldiers. They're, they're, it's the army um, of this world and its deception and its hatred of Jesus Christ. And as a result of its hatred of Jesus Christ, they hate you because Jesus is in you. And so the battle's set in array, and it looks as though God is the underdog, but He's not. Amen? And he's going to do what he's always done. He's going to win. He does not know how to lose. He has never lost. How many know that when Jesus was dead in the tomb for two days, 23 hours, 29 minutes and 30 seconds, (laughs) that 
It looked like God had lost, but really God had won. So, there are areas of your life, in my life, where it looks like we've lost, but we haven't. Y'all tracking me here? Looks like we've lost. Looks like it. But see, the faithfulness of God will come in and bring you out of that loss and will restore to you everything that was stolen from you and will multiply it and increase it in quality, in quantity, and with it comes a testimony that glorifies God and warms your heart because that is how awesome He is. So whatever area that you've experienced loss in this season, know this, that God is going to restore it to you. Amen. Because He loves you. Now, the important thing for you to do is to know your part of the covenant. Right? How many know in a covenant, you got to keep your part? How many know a husband and wife, they have their part of the covenant and they have a part to keep, right? In your covenant, you have a part to keep. And that's what I'm actually learning about, is your part and my part. Amen? And, and, it's, and it's just so good. So anyway, all right. So... We're just going to dive into it. We're probably going to be, you know, I won't finish it today. We'll, we'll jump into it and we'll, we'll just start moving forward. But I think it's really going to help your understanding of God and His faithfulness and who He is. But, and, and I, just, I just want to give you the good news. You know what your part of the new covenant is? Nothing but belief. Belief. That's all you got to do. Because it's actually, this covenant, I got the cats out of the bag, I got to tell you. You already know this, but I, I've seen it more than I've ever seen it before. This covenant's not with you. This is with Jesus. And you're in Jesus. So you get everything Jesus deserves. All of His obedience, all of His perfection, you get it for free because you're in Christ. The covenant's not made with you. The covenant was made with Jesus. It's actually made with Abraham and Jesus. Made with Abraham and then Jesus was the seed that came from Abraham. <clears throat> not seeds of many. Not multiple. One. We'll look at it in Scripture. But you are inside that seed because Christ is that seed. And so what that means is, is you don't have the ability to break this covenant and mess it up. You only have the ability to not believe it and not enjoy it. Because it's all paid in full. You tracking me here? Okay, let's go. Let's move forward. Now, Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 11, what you have to understand about this new covenant is... Now, let me, let me say a couple of things real quick. God's faithfulness was based on our faithfulness in the Old Covenant. I mean, on the Old Covenant, God's faithfulness was conditional. When we were faithful, He was faithful. When we were unfaithful, we were cursed. When we were unfaithful, we were cursed, right? Under the New Covenant... God's faithfulness is based on Himself. He's generating all the faithfulness. We get caught up in it. We don't, we don't start it. We don't stop it. We just enjoy it or not believe it. You tracking me? And so, and the way this new covenant was cut, Jesus does everything. He's the high priest, right? He's the sacrifice, and he's the mediator. <laughs> he does 
All of it. Okay? He does every single bit of it. And then we just get to enjoy it. You see a picture of this when God cuts the covenant with Abraham. God comes to Abraham. Abraham's struggling to believe that God's going to be this good to him. He really is. He's struggling with it. And he's the father of our faith, but he's struggling. And he said, how am I know you're going to do this? He said, you know, cut a covenant with me. How many know Abraham's mindset is covenant, right? God loves that. God says, okay, so God comes to cut a covenant with him. How many know to cut a covenant, something has to, blood has to be spilled. Sacrifice has to happen, right? Abraham makes a sacrifice, but this, this covenant, this is how it's, it's how it begins. God puts Abraham to sleep. He said, I don't want you messing this up. <laughs> I don't want you slipping. I don't want you making a mistake. I don't want you tripping over the sacrifice. I don't want you in your mouth. You sleep, and I'll cut the covenant myself. And he walked in a circle eight amongst the pieces of the covenant in the blood with a, an oven and a, and a, and a, and a torch, which, and he did it himself and then woke Abraham up and said, the covenant is cut. It's finished. A sign of it will be circumcision of your flesh. Right? And so God did it all by himself. Can I get an Amen. Why? Because if he does it all, there's no weak link. You know why man fell in the beginning? Because we were involved. <laughs> we, were, we, we, had the, we, were in, we were given authority, and then we had the ability to, to choose to renege that authority, and we did, and we messed it up. So this new covenant, how I many of this old covenant was based on man's strength? New covenant's based entirely upon God's strength. It's ironclad. It's, uh, it's awesome. But the enemy's worked overtime to try to keep us from understanding it because once you understand this covenant, you will, listen to me, this is really important, you will never doubt the faithfulness of God again. You will never doubt the faithfulness of God because you start to realize it's not based on you, it's based on Jesus. If God's faithfulness to me is based on Jesus, that means that he never stops being faithful to me because God is always faithful to Jesus. Are you tracking me here? And what it starts to do is it starts to remove your awareness of self out of the picture of the covenant and you start to get consumed in your awareness of Jesus and it becomes this everlasting fountain of faith on the inside of you because you start to realize that the bedrock of God's faithfulness is the finished work of the cross and God's faithfulness to Jesus. Because how many know your faithfulness is up and down? Your performance is up and down. That's not going to change while you're in this life. But God's finished work is finished and God's faithfulness is towards Jesus. And so anyway, so anyway, he's the high priest, he's the sacrifice, and he's the mediator. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11, But Christ came as a high priest of good things to come, with greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, not with the blood of goats. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offer himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant. So he's the high priest and he is the mediator by means of death, the redemption of the transgression under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance, not with calves, but with his own blood. So he is the high priest, he's the mediator, and he's the sacrifice. Now, turn to, uh, actually, just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn there and you guys can just follow me. 1 Timothy chapter 2, and in verse 5, it says, For there is one God, and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. 
And so he's, he's, he's not only is he the high priest, not only is he the sacrifice, but he's also the mediator. But here's the thing. He's, not medi- he's mediating between him and God. Are y'all tracking me here? How many of y'all think that the communication between the Father and the Son is probably better than AT&T? <laughs> How many know there are no tro- dropped calls? How many know there are no misunderstood texts? How many know the Father perfectly understands the Son and the Son perfectly understands the Father? That's the power of your covenant. And how many know they're communicating all the time? How are they communicating? How many know that Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us? What's testifying of your innocence? The blood of the Lamb. How many know the blood of the Lamb still exists? It's still in heaven to this day. It is testifying of our innocence. The blood of the Lamb and the fact that Jesus is alive and that He's resurrected. Amen? And so He is also the, the mediator. And so Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 13, you guys can turn there. And I'm just laying a little bit of groundwork for this covenant uh, before we kind of dive into it this morning. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 13, it says, For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply. That's the same, same uh, blessing that you have. You enjoy that in, in, uh, in Christ. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For, indeed, for men indeed swear by the greater, an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. So in other words, he's saying a man-made device is to swear on something to end dispute and to give confidence concerning something. Thus, God determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of His counsel, confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation to have fled for refuge to lay hold on the hope that is set before us. So two things. A, God swore, and He couldn't swear any higher. He swore on Himself. And B, God can't lie. Right? These are all parts of the covenant. God's incapable of lying and God swore upon himself. Now, Hebrews chapter 8, now let's actually look at your covenant. This is your covenant. This is what you enjoy. This is what Jesus gave you. This is what was prophesied in the book of Jeremiah. Um, This is the new covenant. Hebrews chapter 8 and in verse 10, and I want you to notice something about this covenant. I want you to notice what God does and what we do. Amen? How I many you know most covenants, like husband and wife, we both have our end of the covenant? You know, your cell phone company, how I many know you have your end of the covenant? What's your end? You pay the bill. You pay the bill, they give the service. All covenants have two sides. Look at it. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10. For this is the covenant <clears throat> that I want you to notice two words as we read through this covenant. I will. I will. Because that, those two words are said over and over and over again. Because God is showing you His part of the covenant. I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my, be my people." None of them shall teach his neighbor and none of his brothers, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. For I will, I will. There are one, two, three, there are four I wills in this covenant. This is things that God's doing. You have to understand something about this covenant. God is the initiator. How many know God found you? I was not looking for God. 
In fact, I was running from God. God found me. How many know God found you? How many know all your kids cannot outrun God? All your grandkids cannot outrun God. How many know God is the one that pursues them? Can I get an amen? And so God is the initiator. God is the one who starts this. God chooses to do this. Even with Abraham. How many know Abraham was on the back 40 worshiping the moon? And God said, I choose you. Amen? So here comes God, and He's going to do everything. Now what's your part? Curiously enough, there is nothing mentioned in here about your part. (laughs) You do nothing. (laughs) Isn't it amazing? And you know, and it reminds me of the picture of Jesus coming to the disciples and washing their feet. Amen? Because they didn't do anything but they had to humble themselves to receive. Eleven did it easily, one struggled. Peter. How many know Peter had a hard time receiving from the Lord? Because Peter wanted to do something for the Lord. Peter thought that was honorable, but really, how many know it was pride? But Peter didn't know it, but the Lord did. And how many know the Lord worked with Peter's pride until Peter got delivered from pride and got set free? And when the pride dam broke, the Grace River flowed. Amen? And, but they had, I'll just tell you, just think about this for a moment, people. We come in, we worship God, we cry, we lift our hands, we sing, we worship Him. But, I'm I'm trying to think about how I could even handle the Son of God washing my feet. I want to wash His feet. It's not easy for me to fathom Him washing my feet. Literally. I mean, think about that for just a moment. Literally having Jesus wash your feet. The Son of God, the Creator of the universe, the Lamb of God. I mean, for Him to do that, how many know that there is a place where you have to sit down, humble yourself, and receive and be overwhelmed at the goodness of God? Amen. And how many know it takes humility? How many know this covenant has not come to ask you to wash God's feet? This covenant has come to wash yours. Because our King is a King that serves. Is it absolutely beautiful or what? I mean, amazing. Now, over and over again, in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, how I many of you are commanded to believe? New Testament obedience is faith. So, this covenant is present whether you believe it or not. This covenant is present whether anyone enjoys it or not. What if this covenant is so good 
that no one on earth has got anywhere near maxing it out. What if the person that went the farthest in the earth that believe in this covenant is at the tip of the iceberg and the riches of heaven's grace are flooding to, I mean, below, the, I mean, this, this massive iceberg of God's riches of His grace and God's just waiting on somebody to have the audacity to believe that Jesus did a good job and receiving everything that Jesus deserves. Not Brian, not Connie, not Bevan, not Jeremiah, not Tim. I do not want what I deserve. <laughs> I am convinced of my own ability to mess everything up. <laughs> I need the Lord. I mean, you want what the Lord deserves. Isn't that an amazing concept? That God has given that to you. If you, how many know this book is full of promises, right? What if you came to God based upon Jesus and not yourself? Every time you came to Him. Every single time. So much so that you lost the ability to come in your own name. And you began to ask Him in His name. See, that Scripture is not a formula of just praying in Jesus' name. That means you're coming, you're coming in the name of Jesus. And whatever you ask, the Father will grant it because you're coming in the name of Jesus. Are y'all tracking me here? But we haven't had a developed faith in Jesus being the reason that God is faithful to the covenant. We've had a, a developed faith in our conduct being what gets us what we deserve from God. If I do well, I'm blessed. If I do bad, I'm cursed. And that mindset is dead. It's not in the earth anymore. Mount Sinai is vacant. <laughs> no, Mount Sinai, nobody lives there. God's not there. He left. You know who is there? Man-made religion. Setting up shop, working the booth, making the money, destroying people's faith. <laughs> Dishonoring Mount Zion. Dishonoring the Son of God. And has turned Mount Sinai into the most amazing amusement park business <laughs> under the banner of Christianity. And will sell you tickets to ride rides. But you will never see the face of God on Mount Sinai. It will always be veiled. And that's why Moses' face was veiled. To show the earth that God cannot be known through man's goodness. God must be known through His own goodness. Because His own goodness is the only way that, that he, he, the... the, the the majesty of his goodness can't be expressed if it's through if it's through us like it's got to be through him you know what i'm saying like gosh and so he did it and so now our parts to believe it and to enjoy it and to step into it and allow it to to change us and change the way we approach god Stop going to God based on you. 
Don't do it anymore. Just quit. <laughs> if you start to do it, just stop. What are you talking about? How, do you, how am I starting to do it, Jeremiah? Well, you're in a situation where you need prayer answered and you need God to move on your behalf and your confidence is based on what you've done. Good or bad. Because both are equally evil. Your good things are just as destructive as your bad things if it's, if it's what's making you think that you have confidence towards God. Now, good works are good. We want to do good works. We want to love people. All those things are great. But in this covenant, this covenant isn't about your good works. This covenant is about His good work. Now, it will produce good works in your life, but it's His work. He did it. Amen. We don't do none of it, right? And so it starts to change the way we approach God, and we start to approach God based upon Jesus and not based upon ourselves. <clears throat> and it gives us this ironclad confidence because the enemy can't mess Jesus up. You ever think about that? Enemy can't touch it. How many of you know the enemy could never touch Jesus? What are you talking about, Jeremiah? How many of you know Jesus would be like, here comes the devil. He got nothing in me. <laughs> they were ready to kill him. He's invisible. Slips right through. The enemy could never touch Jesus. And how many of you know he can't, he can't touch Jesus now? So, let me ask you a question. Can Jesus' righteousness be affected in any way, shape, form, or fashion? How many know it's solid and the deal is sealed, right? Now, the reason God made this a righteousness of faith is because a righteousness of faith can, can impute to you or give to you a perfect righteousness. How many know you can imagine a perfect circle better than you can draw one? I mean, you can visualize a perfect circle. It's difficult to draw a perfect circle. God has imputed to you something apart from anything that you've done, anything that you've earned, anything that you've deserved, and He's given it to you. And how many know it's perfect and it's faultless and it's all-powerful and it is His Son, Jesus? So that's how strong your covenant with God is, is as strong as Jesus' righteousness is as strong as Jesus' obedience. How many you know, see, what we're eventually going to get to in this series is we're going to take a look at how God wants to weaponize the obedience of Jesus. That's an, it's an amazing concept, isn't it? Weaponize the obedience of Jesus. When you look at spiritual warfare in Corinthians, it, the, whole, the whole chapter ends with the obedience of Christ. Because that's where the power's at. Amen. So that, this is where we're going. This is where we're moving into. And what it is, is it's an amplification of Jesus, a fresh and a new. We didn't think we could do it, but we can. We can actually make, we can amplify Jesus Christ even more and focus on Him even more. And in doing so, man, it just, it changes everything, man. It changes everything. How many know when Moses wanted to see God, God hit him in the cleft? How many know God wants to hide you in Christ from the cares of this life, from the fear, from the turmoil, from the anxiety? God wants to hide you in Christ and protect you and keep you. Can I get an amen? How many know that in Jesus is a safe place? Amen. And so God does it all. He does everything. Now, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2, please. And um, I want to show you just an, an astonishing statement about God's faithfulness. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 11. 
It says, this is a faithful saying. For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are, faithful, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Now, we know that salvation is based upon receiving Jesus. Amen? And if someone rejects the outstretched hand of salvation and they make a conscious decision to refuse to receive Jesus' salvation, then they're not going to be saved. Okay? Scripture makes that very clear. That's not a very uh, popular thing to say, but you know, truth doesn't have to be popular in order to be important. Amen? And so, if we deny Him, He also will deny us. That's what that's talking about there. It's talking about receiving Jesus. Amen? But then it goes on to say, if we are faithless, He remains faithful. He cannot deny Himself. Now, here's the thing. Once I'm in Christ, I'm in Christ. Like, how many know, now that Lily is born, how many know she's born? She's born. And she's not going to... She's born, right? How many know, as sure as her birth is a reality, your new birth is a reality? See, so many times we think that salvation, you know, and certainly it is a product of faith, but how many know you're a new creation? You're not the same person you used to be. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. So when you step into Christ, you become joined to the Lord of one spirit. Amen? And so, how many know that you can't rip a piece of Christ out? You can't take a piece of Christ out. No. What are you saying, Jeremiah? I'm saying, once somebody's saved, they're saved. And they're eternally saved. Um, I didn't used to believe that. I didn't used to understand that. I'd heard, I'd heard preached against it so much that I struggled to, because uh, I'd heard people, you know, people can say trite sayings enough to where you start thinking it's true, but it's not, it's not in the book. I'll talk about them. Once saved, always saved, folk. How many know that's not in the book? How many know that's not in the book? I need an amen. Help me out, please. That's not in the book. That is a trite saying, right? And I was in the middle of preaching, and this part I couldn't preach because I couldn't embrace it. And I started to preach that you could lose your salvation. And right in the middle of the message, the Spirit of God corrected me in here. And I repented publicly. Were you you in the service when I did that? And I never preached it again. Why? Because God corrected me. He was like, that's not right. (laughs) Amen. Because, I mean, Jesus said that no one can pluck you out of my Father's hands. Can I get an amen? And once you're joined to the Lord, you're joined to the Lord. It's not a casual joining. You are united to the Lord. So the reason I'm saying all this is to say this. Once you're in Christ, it says... If we are faithless, He remains faithful because He cannot deny Himself. How many know God, in order to deny you, God would have to deny Himself because you are in Him? Are y'all tracking me here? How many know you are now in Christ? And so you are joined to the Lord. And so now, um, in order for God to deny you, He'd have to deny Himself. I'd said it twice because it's such a a big concept to get into to our heads. How I many know oh, God's, God's not going to deny Himself? And now that we are in Him, once again, this goes back to that covenant, 
His faithfulness is not based on us. His faithfulness is based upon His faithfulness to Himself. Are y'all tracking me here? I, I just want you to understand this because <clears throat> it will remove doubt in your mind concerning where you stand with God. It'll, you will expect the goodness of God 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, because your expectation of the goodness of God is based upon Jesus Christ and not based upon yourself. Can I get an amen? Now listen, God did this for you because He loves you so much. Like, don't feel like this is just some cold contract. No, God did this for you because He knew that now you're safely in Christ and you can't mess this up. And so you're near Him and you're close to Him and, and He can unleash His faithfulness into your life. How I many know the Bible says that we're going to spend eternity enjoying the riches of His grace? God wants to overwhelm you and astound you with His goodness. How I many know it's the goodness of God that leads you to repentance? It's the goodness of God that leads you to change. Amen? And so, this, this faithfulness is God being faithful to Himself. Now turn to Galatians chapter 3, please. And I, I alluded to this earlier, and I quoted this, but I want you to see it in Scripture so it removes any questions in your mind because what we want to do this morning is we want to take all those question marks in your mind concerning God's goodness and His love towards you and even His blessing. We want to take those question marks, we want to iron them out and make them exclamation points. We want to make them statements. We don't want, we don't want your mind filled with questions. How many know that the reason the enemy became successful against Eve is he filled her mind with questions? Question territory is where the enemy gets his stuff done. Amen? You know, there, 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 there was no... The first question that was even introduced in the Bible was from the enemy. Hath God said? The devil introduced the question mark to the human race. We had lived on periods and exclamation points our entire existence. And the devil said, did God say that? And then immediately the woman had questions. Amen. We want to remove those question marks. Amen. And so Galatians chapter 3 and verse 16, it says, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say into seeds as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, singular, who is Christ. So the promise was made to Abraham and his seed, right? And now, how many know that we are now in Christ and that seed that he's talking about there is talking about Jesus, amen? So the promise is to us in Christ. So once again, what I'm trying to do here is I'm trying to... You ever try to um, restore something and you got to get the old paint off? I'm trying to shellac your brain, <laughs> A little bit and get the old paint off because the old paint is your focus on yourself. Religion taught you to focus on you, and that's not the kingdom. And so we gotta get we gotta get that old paint off so you will stop focusing on you and give you an overwhelming sense of evidence that God's faithfulness to you is based upon the fact that you're in Christ. Now he loved you enough to bring you in Christ. Like when I was a drug addict, alcoholic, atheist, crazy person, he loved me. But then he brought me into Christ so he could be faithful to me according to Christ and not according to myself. Are y'all tracking me here? And so it just removes the weak link out and it removes our ability to mess things up. Amen? And so we are born, when we are born again, we have, right, we have rights to everything that Jesus deserves. He perfectly fulfilled the covenant 
and we are the benefactors. Now turn to John 16, please. And I alluded to this earlier, but once again, I want you to actually see this in Scripture. John 16 and verse 23. Talking about this is my asking in Jesus' name. It says, in that day. Everybody say that day. He's talking about a specific day. He's actually talking about the day of the new covenant. In that day, you will ask of me. You will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Now, what does he say? In that day, in the day of the new covenant, you're not going to come talking to me. You're going to come talk to the Father. But you're going to come to the Father in my name. Now, how many of you know this is not a formula that we exercise as believers? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Jesus' name, amen. Enter. <laughs> you know, send the text. How many of you know it's not this concept of Jesus' name? This is not a formula of prayer. This is, I am coming to the Father in Jesus' name. How many know, I lost my name? How many know, the person I used to be died? And now, I'm, I'm in Christ. How many know, I'm now Jeremiah Johnson Christ? Are you tracking me? Like, I'm in the, I'm in the, I'm in the family. Like, I'm in the body. Now, how many know, I'm not the head? I will never be the head. He's the head. He's the boss. I'm just in the body, Right? And so now, when I come to the Father, I come to the Father in the family name. Are y'all tracking me? I've been adopted. You've been adopted. You're in the family. You're coming in the family name. You're coming saying, this is my DNA. I'm your kid. Amen. And so, isn't it amazing? And so, what that does is that removes any question in your mind of whether your prayer is going to be answered or not. Are y'all tracking me here? Now here's the thing. Answered prayer doesn't happen the way we think it does a lot of times. How many know there's a passage of time? How many know there are promises? How many know there's some th- times that things happen and we don't understand why they happen? Sometimes we pray uh, one way and then it goes this way. How many know that's happened to all of us? I want to talk about that because I don't want to leave that, that part out. But what I do want you to understand is there's an element, what are you trying to say, Jeremiah? Anytime you try to bring God in debt to you, you're in trouble. <laughs> and that's what legalism does. You ever, you ever see those cartoons where they throw the monkey wrench into a piece of equipment and that monkey wrench messes the whole piece of equipment up and it all breaks down? The enemy knows if he could take that legalistic monkey wrench and toss it into your thinking... You'll leave grace, you'll leave the covenant, and you'll go into what you can earn from God. And then in trying to earn something from God, you're going to try to be good enough to bring God in debt to you so that God owes you the promise. God owes you the answered prayer. If that is your approach, your prayer is busted. And it won't be answered. Because you are not coming in Jesus' name. You're coming in your own name. You're coming in your own family name. Are you tracking me here? And you cannot, you can't come like that. Now here's the thing. You know, how many know that the news that I'm sharing is like the best news ever? But how many know, not many people have found this place. Are, Are you tracking me? How many know, this is a narrow path. This is a narrow concept. 
How many know broad is the way of destruction? How, how, how many of God's kids were wrecked on the rocks of legalism trying to make it to the promised land but got shipwrecked? Their faith was shipwrecked by legalism. And there were promises they didn't receive because the enemy threw the monkey wrench of legalism into their life and it actually destroyed faith because they were trying to bring God in debt to them through the things that they were doing and faith was voided. How many times do you think that's happened? Do you think that happened a lot? I do. I see it all the time. I see that a whole lot more than I see this narrow path of grace. This, uh, this is a, and it's a difficult path to find because everything else is different. Than, I mean, like, I mean, legalism is everywhere. Not just in Christianity. Everywhere. Every religion is based on legalism. There's, there's only this little path named Jesus <laughs> that where this is, this is true. And so I think that some of us have had prayers that weren't answered because we came in our own name. Because we were taught to come in our own name. Or we were taught to come according to our own faith. I'm here on my faith. On, on what I've done. My seed. My harvest. My. Me. Me. Me, myself, and I. <clears throat> I mean, it's time to leave that life. Let that go. Amen? See, it doesn't matter how long it took you to find this. Once you find it, it's worth selling everything to buy this field. Pearl of great price. Amen? It's the kingdom. Amen? I mean, it's, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Amen? It's His good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Give. Give. <laughs> he wants to give you the kingdom. He wants to give it to you. See, it's easier to get something through you if it's given to you. If you earn it, it's going to be more difficult for you to let it go. But if it's given to you for free, then you're more inclined to let it go. How many of you know that's how the kingdom, how many of you know that's how forgiveness is supposed to flow through you? Given to you for free, flow through you. Healing, given to you for free, flow through you. Revelation, given to you for free, flow through you. Can I get an amen? God wants to take all those bands of debt and owing and legalism out of our lives, and He wants our attention and our focus to be in the Lord and not in ourselves. Amen? So there's a place where we come to the Father in, in, in Jesus' name. And, and then I have one more thing I'm going to share, and then we're going to shut it down because we've covered a lot today. But I just want to say this to you. I say this all the time but I, because it's, it, it exemplifies the covenant. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20, it says, For all the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him amen to the glory of God. And so, Jesus, all the promises are yes and amen in Him, right? In Him. In Him. He is the, the qualifier. Amen? And so, and then next week, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna step into 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to start talking, we're going to take a look at how to weaponize the obedience of Christ. Uh, because you need 
Jesus' obedience on your side. See, you got it, but do you know that you got it? See, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, you know, Eli Johnson always got a sword. I mean, like this kid, he's going to have a sword. He's going to have a sword, and he's going to have another sword, and he's going to have a backup sword, right? Yeah. Tim's got a sword now, too. He's going to have it, amen? Um, how many know that how powerful is the obedience of Jesus? Think about that as a sword. Visualize the obedience of Jesus as a sword in your hand. And instead of calling it a sword, call it the scepter of righteousness. Because you're kings and priests. Can I get an amen? How many know you're royalty? And the way that the authority of royalty is expressed is through that scepter of righteousness. How I many of that's what a scepter is? It represents the authority of the kingdom. So the obedience of Christ. See, your righteousness was earned. His wasn't. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? How I many he was born righteous? Jesus did not have to earn his righteousness. He was born righteous. Why? Because he was born, he was born from a virgin, right? His blood type was, was not intermingled with Mary's. He had type God blood, right? So he didn't earn his righteousness. He was born with it. But you know what? He did earn yours and mine. He fulfilled the old covenant and then became the sacrifice, the high priest, the mediator, and the sacrifice. And so a, a righteousness has been earned and given to you so that you can use it against the enemy and it's also a key that brings you into the kingdom to have all that the kingdom promises. Who's the key? Jesus. His obedience. Can you get an amen? How's it a weapon, Jeremiah? Well, how many know that you have authority over the enemy? Why? Because of your obedience? No, because of His. How many of you have a right to have your prayers answered? Because of your obedience? No, because of His. How many of you have a right to all the promises? Because of, his, because of your obedience? No, because of His. Think of the sword of the Spirit as the obedience of Christ in a solidified, weaponized form to where you can take a stand against the enemy and take a... See, when you understand it's about Jesus' obedience and not your own, it removes the enemy's ability to condemn you. Game over. See, the enemy knows that when we figure this out, it is game over. And that's why he doesn't want us to figure this out. We're living in a 2,000-year-old victory. You know? How many know this morning our focus got tuned in just a little bit on who God is? Are y'all tracking me here? See, what's happening right now, this is revelation. And it's light. And it's allowing all of us to see more clearly. I mean, only God can do something like this. Amen? I mean, I'm just seeing it clearer than I've ever seen it. And it's amazing when God drops something into your spirit and makes it real to you. It, like, what I'm trying to convey to you is what I basically received in three seconds. Because <laughs> it didn't come through here, it came right into here. Are y'all tracking me here? But the beauty of it is, is that not only do we have the, the teacher, the spirit of God, we have the gift that, that, that he gave me that I'm grateful to be able to have and serve people with, but he's also living on the inside of you and so all those teachers are working together and they're all trying to shellac this <laughs> and take some of that old paint off so that we can see more clearly. Amen? And we can, uh, we can enjoy this amazing grace and we can, 
we can laugh like God laughs. Can I get an amen? I felt that so strong when we were in worship, just the laugh, just the joy of the Lord, you know. Um, I mean, you know, that's the ultimate disrespect to the enemy is to laugh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because it's the display of absolute confidence. Amen. He that sits in the heavens laughs. If God's going to laugh, we might as well laugh too. Amen? It's good. Okay, cool. We're done. All right. Well, if anybody needs to give an outlet this morning, we'll get one to you. Uh,